all my life, I've always wanted to help people. Fast forward 40 plus years on this planet and I'm running the holistic clinic of my dreams. I founded the supplement company of my dreams and I'm stepping into each day like it's a dream. Now, I get to help even more people through this podcast and I want you to have the tools to feel your best, to optimize, to figure out what's going wrong and how to course correct. I believe in you so much. Knowledge is power. And we're going to transform your life together. School of Doza right. is in session. Hi, everyone. Happy day. As always, I'm envisioning you listening to this podcast as your brightest and highest self. We are here for a reason, and you are worth the time to learn more about your health. It is such an honor to meet you every week. I mean this sincerely, and I hope that you feel that. Because you and your health are so important to me and I see people taking the reins of their lives and understanding just how much they can control their health and it's such a beautiful thing. And so, like I said, this is such an honor to be able to do this each and every week. But before we get into this episode, you should know that we do have a YouTube channel. If you do ever want to watch this podcast in video form or search for some other videos that we have done, we have a lot of great shorts as well. Simply search for Nurse Doza on the YouTube links and website and it should pop up also make sure you subscribe to our newsletter as that comes out bi-weekly and it's chock full of questions that you sent in answered by me today's episode is going to be about five blood tests you should be getting each year now this is a big list i would normally have for you but for the sake of a 30 minute podcast episode we are going to keep it to five and then later we can build on that these five tests are for general health and they are important markers that you want to know about Maybe you've gotten these tests done recently and you're not quite sure what they mean. Either way, this podcast episode is for you. Now let's get into it. Classes in session. The first blood test you need to be getting every year is HSCRP, high sensitivity C-reactive protein. C-reactive protein is a marker of inflammation. And normally in traditional medicine, we look at it for heart health and heart health, American Heart Association has associated a high HSCRP with a risk for heart disease. And the range for HSCRP is very small. In most cases, if you actually go to your labs, maybe you had a physical done last year or recently, if you go find the HSCRP, there's a range normally for some up to three, up to 10 my labs test i've always looked at is about one to three one being below one being optimal and above three being high risk now the american heart association has said hscrp when it's above three has an increased risk for heart disease and hscrp is not just related to heart disease it's related to so many other things I have a study here that says crp levels were significantly higher in patients with depression So if you think about it, let's look at what it really means. HSCRP is a marker for inflammation. And you'll hear me talk about inflammation all the time in these podcasts because it is the root issue in most diseases. Stress is the major cause, and that's the driving force that you're going to have in this world. You can't get around stress. It's constant. But if our bodies cannot handle the stress that we're constantly going to be under, then our bodies will succumb to inflammation. Now, HSCRP is a great test that you can measure any time in your life that you could see if you really want to see if you're battling something at that moment. Because with HSCRP, it's high sensitivity C-reactive protein, which means it's very sensitive to any inflammation that might be occurring in the body at that moment. Because HSCRP 
is still indicated as a wonderful biomarker for inflammation, especially in acute issues. Okay, now with HSCRP, it can be elevated if you're sick. I've, I've tested mine when I had a cold and mine was like 33. Now it can be between three and 10 a lot of times for people who have autoimmune issues. Because I have studies here that show that CRP is a known measurement in type of inflammatory diseases like autoimmune issues. So you imagine if you have elevated HSCRP, this is something you could check on a yearly basis. Your doctor might think, oh, something's going on with your heart. I'm going to say there might be something going on with an autoimmune issue. And then on top of all this, the C-reactive protein is actually a liver enzyme. So if you think about inflammation, it goes back to the liver once again. And that's why we started off with HSCRP on your blood test. Most people have a fatty liver in this country. In fact, one in four U.S. adults do. And a lot of times the fatty liver does not have any symptoms. And we have a whole podcast about fatty liver. I, I suggest you check it out. But if you want to look at a blood test to see if you have fatty liver, there are several liver enzyme tests that you can check. But for the sake of the argument right now, a test like HSCRP can tell you whether or not the liver is inflamed. Well, I don't know if it's fatty. It can just tell you whether it's inflamed because the C-reactive protein is really interesting. This is how your body responds to stress. Let's say you eat something. And it's not very healthy. It's like sugar, right? And it's processed sugar. And then you wash it down with a soda, more processed sugar. And then maybe you drink an alcoholic beverage later. Well, all that is going to go into the body and eventually be stored in the body. Liver is usually the place it's going to be stored. Well, if you keep doing that to the liver, the liver is going to respond and tell the brain, tell the body that something is going on if you store too much processed things in your liver. That's what will lead to fatty liver disease. And one of the markers that's released due to fatty liver disease is HSCRP. But a lot of times we don't see it that way. We typically don't see fatty liver disease and HSCRP in the same light. Like I said, traditionally it's been looked at for heart disease. But I want you to ask your practitioner uh, and say, hey, I need to look at my HSCRP on a yearly basis. That could be a non-negotiable for my yearly physical because it can tell you a lot about a trend of your inflammation and how you're responding to it throughout your life. And we have a lot of research articles and links and the show notes if you want to deep dive into it, but I've seen HSCRP, like I said, elevated in autoimmune issues, depression. Um, obviously, there can be, you know, other arthritic issues like low back pain, lupus, RA, thyroid issues, and so forth. So you definitely want to check this. And there are ways to help lower it, by the way. You know, like with the blood test, keep in mind, we're going to have a whole another response to all this about what to do about this. But this is where we are really good at is that if you're looking at inflammation, you're looking at the liver. So once again, you're going to support the liver to support your battle against inflammation, hopefully helping you get these ranges like HSCRP and optimal ranges. The second blood test you need to be getting each year is fasting insulin. And I used to think A1C, hemoglobin A1C would probably be the preferred basic test to get every year to check to see how you're handling your blood sugar. But I prefer fasting insulin now because fasting insulin is a wonderful test to see if you have inflammation due to insulin dysfunction. The first test I get for everyone is HSCRP. I mean, I, I seriously check off the box HSCRP if someone just mentions the word inflammation or close to it. And then I say, well, what's going to be the root cause of that inflammation? All right, this is where I start to become a sleuth. And because you're going to take control of your own health and you're going to listen to this podcast over and over again and share it with your friends you're going to learn about how to take care of your own health. And one of the things you need to understand is you need to know where your fasting insulin is at all times. 
especially if you're concerned about longevity, if you're concerned about diabetes, especially if you're concerned about a fatty liver. Insulin resistance is one of the most common metabolic issues amongst U.S. adults. And it's almost caused by our lifestyle. So you imagine if somebody comes into our clinic, MSW Lounge, and they say, I want to check labs. And the first thing they start telling me is about their diet and their lifestyle and their late nights and you know poor eating habits. The first thing I think about is the damage it's doing to their insulin. You might think, oh my gosh, my liver, it's probably my liver. I said, yeah, it probably is your liver. We checked HSCRP. We, I can tell you if it's your liver right away. But if I want to know the cause of why your liver is inflamed, I have to say, okay, is it your diet? And let's think about this. Your sugar, your fats, your proteins, your alcoholic beverages, your medications, everything you've ever consumed, including your supplements, go into your liver. And the reason they're going to go into the liver is because of insulin. Insulin is the most anabolic hormone that our bodies make, which means its main purpose is to take whatever our bodies eat or consume and basically act like a storage unit, an Uber driver for all the food. It takes the food in the Uber car and it takes it to the liver and drops off the, the passengers, the food, into the liver and the liver accepts it because it was carried through the Uber driver, which is insulin. And if you understood that, Understand that insulin is very important. Just think about this. If you live in a big city, right? You live in New York City. You live in Dallas, Texas. Houston, Texas. What's up? If we live in a big city like that, you have to have a lot of Uber drivers because there's a lot of people there. Think about this. If you eat a lot of food, that means you have a lot of people, a lot of food particles going into your body. You're going to need a lot of Uber slash insulin to basically carry all those people and food particles and medications to the places you need them. Now, insulin has to really work hard in the body if you have a poor lifestyle. And the reason I want you to check fasting insulin is because most people don't think that they're actually insulin resistant or have high insulin levels when they are healthy and active. And I say this because I'm going to look at the athletes right now and I'm, I'm pointing at y'all. Athletes are more prone to being diabetics than any other genre that I've usually met here in Austin, Texas, which is fascinating because we have tons of athletes here, tons of the world's finest athletes in the world here. And you know what's interesting? Because you're athletic, you can override your poor diet. You've done it your whole life. Think about, and I just got done talking to a couple of female athletes this week who were uh, high school athletes, track, swimming, gymnasts. Did some of that in high school and basketball as well. Did that in college. And they talked about their diet. And they talked about all the fast food and the sodas that they consumed. And may, maybe some alcohol in college, maybe not. And what was interesting is they never associated their acne or their bloating or their constipation or their uh, insomnia with their poor diet. Because they were you know, athletic, so they were skinny or they were muscular. Or they were energetic, right? Because they had athletics. You just assume that an athlete has energy. But I'm going to tell you right now, most of those female athletes who are practicing, you know, three, four hours a day and they can go into class for five or six hours a day were not energetic. And when they could fit in a meal, a snack, right? They ate carbs because athletes were told forever to consume carbs, carb loading, right? If you were a cyclist uh, going for the Tour de France, you were going to probably consume two to three, 4,000 calories of carbs before your race because you were told that carbs provide energy for you. 
And this is why I'm picking on the athletes right now because you probably think carbs are good for you. They're going to give you good gasoline and energy for your car, aka your body. Well, I'm telling you right now, athletes can get by with burning off 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 calories a day because they're also exercising for three, four, five, eight hours sometimes if they're Ironman people, right? If you're running marathons, you're burning thousands of calories and then thousands of calories even after you go home. But if you're not running marathons, you're not training for Ironmans like I am, there's no way that I can consume two to three, 4,000 calories a day and not have my insulin spike. Now, I don't, I mean, I'm an athlete. I don't consider myself an extreme endurance athlete. I don't do that. That's too much wear and tear on my body. But for all the people that are out there who want to perform at their highest level possible, don't consider that, you know, just athletic performance. Consider that mental performance, cognition. Consider that sleep. Consider that metabolism, right? That means your insulin has to be at a very healthy, optimal range. It can't be spiked. And if you eat healthy all week and then you get stressed out to the max on Friday night and decide to eat a pint of chocolate ice cream, what is that going to do to your insulin? If your insulin's been pretty steady all week and all of a sudden you eat chocolate, boom, it's going to spike your insulin. And if you spike your insulin, you spiked it because you have too much blood sugar at the wrong time. Now, insulin will fluctuate up and down. You don't want to do that too much. Blood sugar, for most people, like I said, blood sugar is not the issue. It's your response to the blood sugar you consume. Right, Because like I said, if you eat healthy all week and then you let go on the weekend, you consume hot dogs and Cheetos, you're definitely going to spike your insulin and your body is going to be really just thrown out of whack because it's not used to that. I can tell you this right now. I used to really love pancakes. And there's a place here in Austin that serves the best pancakes. And they used to swirl them up and put cinnamon on them. And you could put you know syrup or honey on them. I can't eat them anymore because it's a sugar rush for me. I get too much sugar from those pancakes and then I have an insulin spike and I have a sugar crash within 30, 40 minutes after consuming those pancakes, which means I am pre-diabetic, right? I'm insulin resistant. Even though if you look at me on the film, you know, I'm, I, I'm fit. But I've been pre-diabetic my whole life, which means I've been tracking my insulin, not just my A1C. My A1C might not change too much. But my fasting insulin is so important to me that it can't it can't vary. It is like your blood sugar. It can't go too high. It can't go too low. It has to be right in the middle. And think about insulin in these other regards. If you have problems with insulin, you might have problems with longevity. If you have problems with insulin, you might have problems with weight loss. If you have problems with insulin, you're going to have problems with your brain. I have tons of studies here that you can go into and talk about the fact that we have insulin receptors on our brain. We have insulin receptors throughout the body, not just our liver. And so if you spike your insulin, it's going to cause insulin resistance not only of your liver, but insulin resistance of your ovaries, insulin resistance of your brain, because we your brain makes its own insulin, which is fascinating. Most We just found this out a few years ago that our brain makes its own insulin. We, we think that insulin only comes from the pancreas. No, that's the peripheral that's the body's insulin. Your brain has its own supply of insulin. So you imagine when you eat that chocolate ice cream on Friday night, you're spiking your pancreatic insulin as well as your brain insulin. And what does that do to your cognition and your sleep and your ADHD long-term? And on a side note, if you check insulin, I want you to be below five or seven for your fasting insulin, all right? 10's kind of high. Most people will say 10, that's fine. I'm trying to get below 10 myself. And 
I have to eat a healthier chocolate nowadays. But if you check insulin, you check a couple other hormones because when you check hormones, they're all signals that bounce off one another. If you're checking insulin, you're checking metabolism. There's a couple other hormones that if you ever came to us, we would check on top of that to see how it's affecting other parts of your body, including the brain, including the pancreas, including your fat cells. But fasting insulin is a great test to start off with an overall assessment of your metabolism. The third test you need to be getting every year is DHEAS. DHEAS is an adrenal hormone. It's actually an androgen hormone. Your hormones that come from your adrenal glands help us function. And without precious adrenal hormones, we don't function very well. And if you're a nerd like me who likes to study the body all the time, you will probably read some point something about the HPA axis, the hypothalamus pituitary axis. And what this means is we have a signal from our brain that once we encounter stress, whether that be you know something scary, whether it's a movie or lightning or maybe a crash in front of us or maybe the fact we saw a really horrific email, all these things cause a trigger response in our brain, in our hypothalamus that sends a signal to something called a pituitary gland that then sends a signal to our adrenal glands two of them that sit on top of our kidneys and our adrenal glands then kick out a hormone in response to that particular stress. If it's blood sugar, if it's a need for blood sugar or a decrease of blood sugar, we have hormones for that coming from our adrenal glands. If your body needs energy because you're tired and you need like adrenaline, hence the name adrenals, we got that for you. All right. And we love adrenaline because adrenaline from our adrenal glands gives us lots of focus and lots of motivation and drive. Okay, we'll get back to that in a second. And then the other great thing about the adrenal glands is they make sex hormones like estrogen and testosterone. And most, even females don't realize this. Most guys don't know this. If you think about sex hormones, it's not just our ovaries and testes, it's our adrenal glands. Now, yes, the ovaries and testes make a lot more sex hormones, but keep in mind, once the ovaries and the testes run out of sex hormone production, guess where you start making the sex hormones? Your adrenal glands. And we'll get to that in a second too. But when you check your adrenal glands, think about this. I check the DHAS blood test because I'm checking your stress response, right? I'm checking how you're actively responding to everyday stress because DHEAS is a steroid androgen hormone test from the adrenal glands that is typically a biomarker of acute stress and short-term stress. And DHEA will increase with acute mental stress. And women and young people and obese individuals have a higher response to DHEA increasing. Wow. Now, let me go back to that HPA access thing again. Your brain is your control system for your body. Your body is going to respond to stress no matter what it is. When people say, I'm not stressed, I don't understand. I haven't been stressed lately. This term is so thrown out there and misused that you have to understand you cannot get rid of stress. There's no possible way. In fact, you thrive in stress. Okay, let's think about this. You want that promotion? You want that new job contract? You want to graduate? You have a lot of to-do lists and checklists that you have to accomplish, and which means you're going to need to get a lot of things done. 
You're going to be pressed for time and stressed out to the max. But guess what? You're going to think it's worth it if you accomplish your goals. Hence why you think stress will be a benefit to you because it'll provide the energy and the adrenaline you need to get through your project. That's called grad school. That's called your 20s. That's called your 30s. Right? That's called the 70 hours you're working at the big four firm, you know, when you're an accountant coming out of school. That was, you know, going to law school. That was going to nursing school. That was working late nights. I mean, think about this. How much stress have you put on your body? And I'm not talking alcohol stress. I'm talking late nights. I'm talking poor decisions or maybe six workouts a week, maybe seven workouts a week, maybe training for the marathons. You go back to the athletes again. How much strain has an athlete put on their body if they've been training for races for 20 years? And I think about your adrenal glands and how much they've had to overwork themselves to keep up with your demand. When I check the DHAS, usually there's a range on that lab test. And I'm guessing on most labs, it's anywhere from, you know, 80 to all the way up to like 300. I like the DHAS to be around 200 to 300. And it's rare that anyone has this test even ordered. I'm telling you, you have to specifically ask your practitioner about this test because keep this in mind. Remember, it's a steroid adrenal test. DHEA will eventually lead to something called cortisol. Cortisol is the stress hormone that you think of when it comes to stress. Well, your adrenals make cortisol, but the precursor to the cortisol is the DHAS. Your cortisol will fluctuate throughout the day. In fact, it fluctuates too much. In fact, if you stay up late night, you have high amounts of cortisol. I don't have to take a saliva test or a blood test to guess if you can't fall asleep easily at night that you have cortisol problems. I don't have to take a blood test or saliva test to tell me that if you're constipated that you have cortisol problems. I don't have to take a saliva or blood test to tell me that you have cortisol problems if you say I'm an extreme endurance athlete for the last 10 or 15 years. I went to grad school. You know, I took Adderall. All that is equivalent to you overused your adrenal glands. And most people's DHEAS is low. I'm talking in the hundreds if you catch it early enough. Let's say you go to a functional medicine person like me and you say, all right, well, let's look at your DHS and maybe you're in your 20s. You're probably at 200 to 400. If you check it, it, it declines over time, just inevitably, right? Because you, that's what happens with stress. You just, you succumb to stress. That's what happens. But you can keep it elevated at a higher level for consistent longer periods of time than we thought. And when we do that, we have found that you promote longevity. Now, when we talk about hormones, this is the big topic. We've talked about two hormones so far, insulin and DHAS. And most people can do either one. This is the hormone test that you want to check. If you're tired all the time, you go to bed tired, you wake up tired, you crash at 2 p.m. in the afternoon every day, you want to check your DHAS. You don't want to check your thyroid. You know, you know it's not the thyroid, it's the DHAS. It's usually the adrenals before it's the thyroid. Right? If you can't you know, get up out of bed without six cups of coffee, it's your adrenal glands. You should check your DHAS. And if you have PCOS, you should definitely check your DHAS because high DHAS is found in PCOS. If you have low DHS, you might have heart issues. You might have adrenal insufficiency. So go get this checked out. And low DHS is associated with all causes of mortality.
the fourth blood test you need to be getting done each year is a complete blood count. It's one of the most common laboratory tests. And a lot of times it looks for things like infection, anemia, cancer, even in bleeding. Now, the reason I want you to get a CBC is because it checks white blood cells and it checks red blood cells. Now, the red blood cells are important because maybe you have an anemia, you have a nutrient deficiency, and you can pick up on it right there. Then, if you look at the white blood cells, I can see your immune system. That's why I think it's important to get this done every year because if you look at your immune system, let's say you're one of those people that get sick all the time. You want those people to get sick once or twice, three, four times a year. But think and ask yourself, how many times have you been used, have been, had, had to use an antibiotic? You know, once or twice, three, four times and you know, 16 months, 18 months. That's too much. You shouldn't be getting sick every year. In fact, when the weather changes, you shouldn't be getting sick at all. If you're getting sick when the weather changes and you say it's seasonal allergies and all that, go look at your complete blood cell count and go look at your white blood cells. And there's a range of the white blood cells, okay? Go at home and everyone's had this test done, trust me. You have this test done every year. And when I say you do tests routinely, doing yearly tests is beneficial to your overall health because you can see a trend. If I see my white blood cell count, which was my immune system, over a period of six or seven years, I want it to stay in optimal ranges. I don't want it to be too high or too low because a high white blood cell count means I am under attack, I am infected, I am battling something at this moment. The range for most white blood cell counts is like four to 10, okay? It's a very low number. So if your white blood cells are above 10, you're battling an infection right now. And if you go look at it 10 years later and your white blood cell count is now three or four, your immune system is compromised. And you can see it over time. It'll drop consistently. Okay, it was at seven. Now it's at six. Now it's at five. Now it's at three. Now it's at two. Those people are sick. Those people get sick all the time. So that's why I'm saying you want to take control of your health, which you can. Taking supplements, doing detox, getting good sleep, staying away from processed ingredients are all things that are going to help keep your white blood cell count in range. And if it's still not enough, find the right supplements. And that's where extended labs come in. Let's say find out which nutrient you're deficient in because maybe that might be an issue. And a lot of times you might be surprised to know this. When you have a chronic autoimmune disorder, did you know it could be a chronic bacterial or viral infection that you once had when you were a teenager and it stayed with you your entire life and it's turned into an autoimmune disorder? And your white blood cell count will tell you if you have a chronic bacterial or viral infection that you've been battling, even a recent bacterial or viral infection. So this is important because people who have autoimmune disorders, you know, Epstein-Barr, mono, right? Shingles, Hashimoto's, herpes, cold sores, right? Those are viral infections. You can see it in their labs. You can see it in their white blood cell count. I can say, it looks like you were exposed to a chronic viral infection. Did you ever have mono? Did you have a viral infection when you were younger? You know, I can also make the case for bacterial infection. You could see it. They were dealing with previous strep infections, staph infections, ear infections, right? Pneumonia, And this person needs to get their white blood cell and their complete blood cell count in optimal ranges. And like I said, it's essential. If you've been ordering every year and no one's talking about it with you, go back to your labs right now, go find them and rewind what we talked about and look at the show notes. If you want to deep dive and get geeky with your own labs, this is your genetic data that shows you how your body functions. Lab work are diagnostic scans of all the systems in your body. And there's thousands, if not millions of them. Your body's a car and you need a diagnostic scan like blood work every year to tell you which systems are off. Your immune system cannot be off in any way. You will not thrive. You will not function. 
The complete blood cell count is an essential blood test you need every year. The fifth blood test you need to be getting done every year is homocysteine. If you've heard of homocysteine, you might have heard that homocysteine is typically an enzyme marker ordered to look at stroke risk and dementia risk. Now, you may have had this done. I mentioned stroke and dementia, so you're probably going to want to ask your practitioner to get it done now. A lot of times people get it done and there's never a discussion about it, but we're going to talk about it right now. It's one of my favorite tests to order on everyone because it tells me so many things about your body. First and foremost, it's not just a stroke and dementia marker test. It tells me about B vitamins. If you're deficient in B6, B9, B12, you might be elevated in homocysteine. In homocysteine, it's elevated. You're not just going to be at risk for stroke or dementia. Keep in mind, homocysteine is elevated in lots of other horrific things like fatty liver disease. So you want to talk about a connection between the brain and the liver and the heart? Here you go. It's homocysteine. Homocysteine is a liver enzyme that is elevated in inflammation. Genetically, some people might be more prone to having fatty liver and or heart disease and or dementia. But here's the thing. Fatty liver disease is going to come off initially when you're in your 18, your teens, your 20s, when you're having a poor lifestyle. And fatty liver disease will be the first diagnosis, but most often it's not the first diagnosis because there's usually no symptoms with fatty liver unless you count weight gain as a symptom, which I do. And then the second thing that normally happens with a fatty liver and a poor lifestyle is having high blood pressure and having bad cholesterol, right? And having bad sugar, all known things that contribute to cardiovascular disease. Keep in mind, if you go look at all the studies with diabetes and heart disease, a lot of times those people will have elevated homocysteine levels. And you could be going to the doctor's office and checking your A1C for diabetes. They may or not be ordering insulin. And if you're diabetic and or you have heart disease problems, they may or may not be ordering homocysteine. But get this, let's say you take the supplements, you take the medications, you change your lifestyle, but you don't really get rid of the fatty liver. The heart disease is kind of still there, but the blood, compression, uh, blood pressure is maintained, but you haven't gotten rid of your bad sleep habits. You can't outrun sleep. It's a debt you will never, ever pay off. And if you outlive fatty liver disease and heart disease, eventually there's dementia. Vascular dementia will normally have elevated homocysteine levels in this. So you imagine if fatty liver, heart disease, and dementia is occurring in the same individual, it's occurring over time. And I can look at their homocysteine marker and watch it be elevated at a level of 10 to 14 to 15 their entire life. And if they come to me and they have a homocysteine that's anywhere near 10, I say red flag, timeout. We have a huge, a huge problem on our hands. Because besides fatty liver disease probably being involved in high homocysteine, besides stroke risk and heart disease being involved in high homocysteine, and dementia risk being high in homocysteine, I know that if you have high homocysteine, you have low antioxidant production, which means there's a numerous amount of diseases that are going to happen in your body, not just fatty liver, heart, and brain disease. There will be numerous things affecting the body, and I say, okay, how can we address this? There are ways to get homocysteine in optimal levels. We've done it for years. And what's fascinating is if you go look in the show notes, we have known that homocysteine and dementia has been connected for years. We have known that high homocysteine and heart disease has been connected. There's even studies here that show non-alcoholic fatty, non fatty liver disease and high homocysteine levels are known to be related. 
And you know how many people come to me and say, my doctor never told me anything about fatty liver. They just said I have a fatty liver and they didn't tell me what to do. Or they never order the homocysteine, never associate the homocysteine with fatty liver disease. And guess what? Someone goes to their doctor, never gets these labs done, and they're told, oh, everything's just fine. Everything looks good. Keep doing what you're doing. But you say, well, I don't feel right. I don't feel good. And I say, well, yes, that's that's because one, you're not getting the right test done. And two, you're not getting the, the tests explained to you. It's taken 30 minutes to explain these five tests. But these five tests will change your health forever. If you could get these five tests that we just discussed, which I know you can, if you can get them in optimal ranges, you are optimal. You are healthy and you will function at a higher level than you thought. So you imagine if you wanted to come and see me, I would order these five tests and I would start with this as a foundation to analyze your current state of health. And because I'm just a mechanic, I would say as your mechanic, I suggest that we get these lab ranges and optimal ranges because all I know is as a mechanic, if you have optimal lab ranges and that's basically defining how your body's functioning, optimal lab ranges means optimal you. It's simple. And that's been our goal. That's been my goal as a practitioner, right? It's not that you need a particular vitamin. Everyone needs vitamin D. Everyone needs B vitamins. Everyone needs fish oil and CoQ10. What does your body need? Well, homocysteine can tell me what your body needs. If your insulin's high, I, you can show me how you've been treating your body. If your adrenals are taxed to the max, I can see how stressed out you are without you even realizing it. These five tests should be ordered every single year for the rest of your life. Let's be honest. And if you learn how to support them and address them, you will live a very healthy, long life. I hope you took some notes and got some useful information out of this. Just a reminder that liver love is back in stock for the moment. So make sure you stock up because it sells out quickly. Use my code nurse Doza for a discount and keep those stories coming in. It's amazing to hear all your success. Thank you so much. And thank you again for listening to the School of Doza. Please subscribe and review if you can. And of course, thank you so much if you do. Until next week, class is concluded. Keep working on your health.